0: Listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough. Competitors, I love you. You complete me, and I just had shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello hello <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> a, oh. well of course that's a classic scene from jerry mcguire and and uh one, one of those that honestly i loved it was uh it was a pretty moving, the movie was a little rough in places, but the, that scene was, was uh, quite moving. I, I don't have to tell you this, everybody that's sitting in this room, everybody watching online, if you're, if you're alive more than you know, five years, you've seen the classic love scenes time after time after time on the big screen, on videos that you watch on YouTube, on TV, you have seen these love scenes and basically the way these love scenes go is that there's these glorious feelings that come it's kind of a combination of the feelings and soaring music and that really the implication is is that that feeling this wonderful high that you get is what being in love or having true love really is it's when you're like oh you had me at hello you know it's it's, it's all this stuff together the implication is that it's that special feeling it's, it's overpowering, it's amazing, it's a it's wonderful, incredibly satisfying. It's like being high and, and and of course, when it happens, it feels that way. it really does. I hate to admit this, but I'm one of those guys I'm a, I think I'm, I'm I'm a total man you know in in all the regards to being decent. Desensitized and all that, but but I can be in certain movies and sometimes I'll be watching it and I'll start to feel my eyes water up. Any guys know what I'm talking about? And 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 but I never want my family to know this, and especially my wife to see you know a softness in my heart. But there have been so many times where I'll be sitting there going, okay, there's water in my eyes. How do I get this out without raising my hands or being noticed? And then I'll see out of the corner of my eye, Ann's just looking at me like. She already knows. She's like, you're like a big baby. I already know that's what you are. And 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 I, you know, I have to own that. I love those kind of things. There's just something, you know, and, and, and we're told this over and over and over and over and over again, thousands of times, you've seen these scenes, and the implied message, maybe not super over, but the implied message is that that's what real love is. Not just the romantic scenes. But the scenes of where people engage with each other in such a way that you see love being expressed between brothers, between people who are friends, between family members, whatever it is, you see that and you go, that must be what love is. Love is that feeling that is so rich and so rewarding and it's like, oh, that is what real love is. The only trouble with that is, of course, that's not true. Now, I already understand this is not going to be a popular message, so I'm prepared for Uh, a little animosity coming my way, but I want you just to think about what I have to say, because I'm talking about love this weekend. And I want you to think about this. It's really what you see. I have to remind myself on a regular basis. I I think some of you probably do this too. But on a regular basis, I have to remind myself that what I watch on the big screen and on the smaller screens of my life, from my television down to, you know, an iPad or, or my phone when I'm watching YouTube videos and I see a love scene or I see interaction between people, I have to remind myself that what that is is that is called entertainment, not real life. Now, it may contain elements of real life, but I have to remind myself that what's being made really from movies, epic movies, all the way to media, is that the creators of the content, their primary goal, generally speaking, is not education It is entertainment. They want to move you, whether it's to make you feel gushy feelings and all warm and get a little tear running down your cheek from the emotion in it, all the way to they try to move you through feelings of fear and angst because if they can move you, if they can entertain you, then you will come back and that is how they make a living and it justifies the advertising dollars and the purchasing of goods. And so I have to remind myself that though it may feel like it's real life, it is entertainment. And I have to remind myself that that means, therefore, that what you see, and you can't, you can't miss this. You need to know this. And, and I know some of you are, are going to want to argue this with me, and, and, and um, that's fine. I understand that you can disagree on this. But I think sometimes we miss it because it's like we forget that what we're watching and what we're absorbing, and it comes in from a thousand different directions. It's like we're we're just sitting in this. It's all around us and we absorb it by osmosis. It's like we forget this is entertainment. This is not real life. Real life looks somewhat different than the entertainment that I'm watching. But I, for one, I, on a regular basis, I think I forget this. And I'm just, I feel like sometimes I'm just, my mouth is open in front of it and I'm like a baby bird and whatever they plop in, I swallow it, gulp it down, and it's like, yes, yes, this is real. This is life. This is what life is. But it's not. It's not, and I want to just put that out there. Not always, but probably more often than not, the media that you consume is entertainment. It's not real life. And it's not necessarily right. In fact, it's often wrong, particularly when it comes to this idea of presenting to us an image of what real love really is, what true love really is. And I'm not raking on modern media. I'm not saying that the producers of this stuff are evil people. That's their job. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. I'm just saying we can't forget. Because what we do is we buy into this idea that if I have love, whether it's in a friendship, or in my marriage, or in my with my boyfriend or girlfriend, or whatever it is, if I have love, then I must, by default, have soaring music in the background, and wonderful mushy feelings, and it must be kind of like I'm high, and this belief that we have, it has been so ingrained into us culturally now that we all believe that love is a feeling, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but because we believe that, because we bought that when we don't have the feeling then we have a sense that we don't really have love in this friendship or in this marriage or in this relationship with whoever, that there's no love here because we're not feeling that loving feeling. We're not sleepless in Seattle, as one movie would say, or we're not, you got me at hello, we don't have that, so therefore there must not be love. And I believe that it's actually led to massive heartbreak and to the deep loneliness and discouragement that the modern Western world struggles with at a greater level than it's ever experienced in the past. I believe that's why it's there, because we bought this lie that we should have love. In fact, many people, this is kind of their perspective on this, is that they feel like they deserve to have that. People will say, I deserve to be loved like that, because that's the way love is, Can I just say something that's going to sound harsh? Again, I know some of you are... This is not going to be in the top ten of the most listened to sermons that I've ever preached. I know that. And I'm okay with that. Part of my job is to agitate us in our thinking. Can I just say to you, you think you deserve love? No, you don't. Deserve implies that you somehow earned it, that you're somehow worthy of it just because you're so wonderful yourself. No, you don't deserve love. And in real life, it doesn't work that way. The world tries to convince us that that we should have that feel-good love coming at us all the time. And if it's not, if we don't have that feeling on the inside, then we don't have love. And that guarantees that you will be miserable because that isn't how real life works. I mean, you think about all those love scenes that you've ever watched. Everyone, the one we just watched. Just push it out a week or a month or six months. And all the married people said, (laughs) just push it out a year or two years, and this is what you know, and you know this is true, that the soaring music isn't playing all the time. In fact, it seldom plays, and that the high emotions aren't always there, and that the reality is what you have sometimes are raw, painful, feeling rejected feelings. You have all kinds of feelings that are in there rolling around on the inside of you, and that's what real life looks like. Now, feelings come and go, and we'll talk about that, as I said in a moment. But we have all this stuff on the inside of us, and we think, well, I deserve this. I, I, have, to, I have to have this. But the truth is, is that you're not going to have it all the time. That's not real life. In real life, only periodically does the soaring music come, and those glorious emotions uh, rise up on the inside of you. I mean, you think about it. You think about it. Some of the greatest love scenes in the world don't have any good emotions, let me just describe for you the single greatest love scene that ever took place in the true history of the world. It had no happiness, no soaring music, no fun. It was of a man who was bleeding, nailed to a cross, and dying because God so loved us that he said, I will come and pay the price so that you can reconnect with me. And that is the greatest love scene that was ever depicted, that's ever happened. The single one. And there wasn't any soaring music. There wasn't any fun. It wasn't any crying like because you felt so good. It was pain and it was love. True love looks like well, like my mom at times in her life, and I was thinking back about this when I was pretty young and I was playing little league baseball. My mom, you know, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis three months after I was born, and she suffered from that the rest of her days until she passed some years back. And, and mom, you know, for a season was able to walk with a walker, sometimes with a cane, and she would, after a long day, exhausted and in pain, She would use her walker and she would come to my little league games and she would take that walker and she would move over and she would sit down and she would watch and cheer for me and I wouldn't even acknowledge that she was my mom because I was embarrassed that she had a walker. How do you think she felt? But that is what real love looks like. No soaring music, no fun emotions, but that is what real love looks like. And there's a vast difference, and of course, we know that. You know that that's really true. You know that's true. But there's a selfish side on the inside of all of us that says, yeah, well, that may be true, but I deserve to be loved. And and this friendship that I'm in right now, this marriage that I'm in, this relationship, whatever it is, I don't feel the love coming my way. I don't feel the love, and I deserve to be loved. No, you don't. You actually don't. Jesus comes along and actually introduces a very different perspective to the world. And this is what Christ followers understand, that what Jesus says in a nutshell is that you are responsible to love, not to be loved. You are responsible to love as a follower of Jesus, not to be loved. Now I understand some of you are saying, I'm not sure where I'm at with the whole God thing. And, and, and Jeff, you're, you're kind of creeping me out because you're talking about, you know, I've always thought love is how, how you feel. And I understand that. And you have to figure out where you're at with God. But you should know this. Followers of Christ understand that we're called to something different. That we're called to something higher. That we're responsible not just to get love, but we're responsible to love people. And this is huge. And I know Some of you are going to be upset with me, but I think I see this, I I, I don't know if this has happened to you, but this has happened to me so many times as a pastor, I cannot tell you. People have come to me to tell me this, or, or, I've heard it from somebody else, where a husband or wife in a relationship will say, you know what, uh, they'll go to their mate and they'll just say, I hate to say it to you, but I don't love you anymore. Now what they're describing in that moment is they're describing, I don't have the feelings. Come on, right? I don't feel sleepless in Seattle. You don't have me at hello anymore, baby. When you say hello, I say goodbye. You know, I don't want to be around you. My feelings are all, like, I don't have those feelings anymore. And therefore, because I don't have those feelings anymore, I'm done with you. And they not, we not only do this in marriages. We do this in all kinds of relationships. I'm just done with you because you're not returning this. You're not, you don't care about how I feel. You're, you're wrong. And so... We walk away from that. And I'm, I want to say this as lovingly as I know how, but I think in most cases probably they're wrong. Because what they don't understand about real love is, is that real love, when I love you, that love is not about you and what you do, it's about me and what I do. It's about my responsibility. I'm not responsible to get love. I'm responsible to love, to give love. And really, again, when good feelings come in a, a marriage relationship or a friendship or whatever they are, they're wonderful, but they're not always there. They're just not always there. And we have to remind ourselves, again, maybe this is another way to, to put it so that you can think about it. You don't, you're don't. you not, see, a follower of Christ. You're not called to, uh, you don't live to receive love. You live to, say it with me, give love. You don't live to receive love. You live to give love. This is why many of us are so depressed. We feel like nobody seems to love me. Nobody seems to care about me. See, you, you've lost sight. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've lost sight of what your calling is. Your calling is not to feel good about yourself all the time and just feel like, oh, everybody loves me. Your calling is to love other people whether they love you back or not. It's a different thing. And this brings us to the words of Jesus that we're going to talk about this weekend. This is the final... Uh, installment in this series we've done all summer long called Red Letter Days, where we're looking at the words of Jesus. And here they are. Jesus says this. This is John 13, 34. He says, love one another. In fact, let's just read those three words out loud together. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, a couple things you should note about this. First of all, Just so you can get clarity, I want to back it up just a little bit so you get the full picture of what Jesus is saying. Because this is not a suggestion. We already see the word, you must love one another. But I want you to see it even more clearly. If you back up just a little bit, Jesus says, a new what? (laughs) A new command I give you. In other words, he's saying, you follow me? If you follow me, this is my command for you then. okay, Are you listening? You want to hear it? You want to hear what it is? Yeah, this is my command for you, that you love one another. That you love one another. Notice that it is not a suggestion. Second thing, notice, is that he doesn't say, and when you love them, just follow your heart. Man, if I followed my heart, I'd be in prison for murder. He doesn't say follow your heart. He just doesn't say follow your feelings. He says, love one another, and then he tells us how to do it. As I have loved you. So in other words, you take my life as an example, and then you love others in the way that i have loved you so it's crystal clear and we're going to talk about what that looks like in a moment but what i want to do is i want to just start by talking about a couple of things that love is not all right and here's the first one love and i've implied this already love is not a feeling and this again i it, when i say this i know that i'm getting all these vibrations back from you going you are wrong You know, when I met my boyfriend, I felt it within five minutes. I was in love. Honey, you were in lust, maybe, but not in love. You had feelings, and those feelings are wonderful and they're great. But true love has feelings that can be attached to it, that are part of it, but those feelings can go both ways. Come on, let's just be honest. Every parent in here, let me ask you a question. Do you love your children? Do they always make you feel good? I'm sorry, do they always make you feel good? See, how can you love them if they don't make you feel good? How could you love them if love is a feeling? See, love is not this emotion that you have. Let's just be, let's, let's be crystal clear on this. Emotions, you th- I mean, think about it. Emotions, depending on the kind of person you are. Now, some of you, your emotions are like this. They move in long waves. Sometimes you're feeling really good, and that'll last for like a week at a time. And then you kind of slow down your emotions, go down to a lower level, and people say, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm getting by. Other times you're like, I'm awesome. Those are all emotions, right? Others of you, like me, that kind of thing can happen, you know, three times in a 10-minute period. You know, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you're like a psycho a little bit. So, some of you are looking at each other like, that is you right there. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how you're built. That's, that's part of your hard wiring. You're, you experience emotions more intensely and more dramatically. But let's just be honest. If those emotions, those feelings are love, then, then the whole, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me not, that's really true in a five-minute period four or five times. She loves me, now no, she doesn't. She loves me, now she doesn't. You know, whatever it is. Because it's based on emotion. But real love, though it may have wonderful emotions at times, real love, the engine that drives it is not feeling. The engine that drives real love is what you do. It has to do with a choice that you make in your life, you choose to love. So love is not something you feel, love is something you, let's try it again, love is not something you feel, love is something you, you do, it's something you do. It's not a feeling because sometimes, I mean come on, you know that's true, every married person, anybody that's been going with somebody for very long, you know what I'm talking about. You feel these feelings, oh, she's so wonderful, and then later it's like, she's the devil, you know, and then, and then it's something in between, and then she's just there and boring or whatever. you got all these different emotions, and those are all feelings that come, and you can't get rid of those feelings. You can't just go, well, I'll, I'll never let myself feel that way. Lots of luck with that. I mean, if you're breathing, you're going to have emotions that will ebb and flow in your life. See, you... you I mean, you just think about this. If love was driven by the engine of your feelings, Jesus would have never stayed on earth to finish his mission of giving himself up for us because he was not getting that loving feeling when people were driving the nails in his hands. Come on. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Implication is By way of sacrifice. He gave himself up for us. This is what scripture says. This is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Sacrifice was implied there. Something painful was not feelings. Something painful. So first of all, the Jesus kind of love is not a feeling exclusively. It can have good feelings. I mean, I'm all for them. I love to feel good. I want to feel good. But it's not driven by feelings. Secondly, it is not mutual gratification. And the reason I even have to talk about this is because this is a huge thing that I hear people talk about. They say, well, you know what makes a good marriage? You know what makes love really work? And the, you, know, you can talk about this in any kind of relationship, friendship or whatever. It's, it's got to be 50-50. No, it doesn't. Well, it's got to be 100-100. No, it doesn't. It simply needs to be 100. Because it is not about what they do. It is about what you do. Jesus so loved us that he offered himself up in spite of our rejection of him. And real love is about what you're engaged in doing, not what the other person is doing back. But this is the sort of philosophy of the world. Basically, people say this you know what? In any good relationship, there's got to be some give and take, baby. And I'm going to give. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to do some good things for you. But if you're not bringing it back, we're history. We're done. We're not going to have a relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. Mutual gratification in loving relationships happens all the time. Well, let me say it this way. It happens often. But it does not happen all the time. Actually... In many relationships, sometimes what happens is, is that you are giving and loving, and that person is not returning it, whether you're talking about a friend or a boyfriend, girlfriend, a husband, wife, whatever it is, and they're not returning it for a season because there's some brokenness or something not healthy there, and you are giving it, and it feels like you are all alone. And there, this is where it comes in. is so often people are like, well, if, you're not, if you don't bring it back to me, come on, baby, if, you don't, if, if I'm not getting that love and feeling you know, because of what you're doing, then I don't want to be a part of this relationship. And so often, this is where people are at. But real love says, I don't like where this is at right now, but this is not about what you're doing. Me loving you is about what I'm doing. You see, I I felt this when I preached it last night. It's the same thing. You're looking at me like, you're nuts. And I understand why you're saying that, because honestly, I can stand up here and like, oh, this is what we should do. I struggle with living this like everybody else. But I will tell you, relationships that are the strongest and healthiest, they're not based on the fact that it's always so mutual and beautiful and and they just give back and forth. It's based on the fact that people say, I love you, not because of what you do. I love you because that is what I do. It is not about mutual gratification. See, here's the problem with mutual gratification is that it's all about give and take, right? Which means you have to measure then. So then this is what happens. And you see this in marriages sometimes. It's like, Whoa, 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 I have been doing this and this and this and this and this for you, and you have done, let's see, what have you done? Oh, nothing. And then, and then because we're scorekeeping, what it does is it starts to mess with our lives because now it's about, well, I'm doing better than you are in this area, and it becomes about you better perform or I am not going to love you. But true love, the God kind of love that we're called to in any relationship with people at work or whatever. Some people say, well, they just, they just treat me badly at work and blah, blah, blah. Any relationship you have, the way you love people is not based on what they do. It's based on what you do. And this is hard for people to hear. I understand that. And I can hear your arguments right now. I mean, I really can because I have the same ones. Are you telling me then? Are you telling me that I'm supposed to just let that person walk all over me? No. No. But here's what you need to understand. Why I say no is critically important. No, you don't let people walk all over you. Real love will often draw hard boundaries in relationships and say, this cannot continue as it is. We cannot be in this relationship in this way because what you're doing, now listen, real love says what you're doing is destructive, not just to me, but it is destructive to you. Here is the difference. When you say a hard line, when you say a hard no, this cannot continue this way in a relationship of love. Why you do it matters unbelievably. Because if it's about being punitive, if it's about punishment, if it's about you do to me, so I do unto you, it will wreck you. Listen, I wrote it this way, and I think this is important to understand. How you draw boundaries will influence whether you grow your heart or wreck it. There's wonder. Write down How you draw boundaries will influence whether you grow your heart, whether you become stronger in love, or whether you wreck your heart. Because if you draw boundaries as a result of wanting to punish someone because they've wounded you or hurt you, you only end up damaging yourself. Real love does draw boundaries. Real love does say, this will not continue in this way. This cannot happen like this. And again, I understand I can stand up here and preach this stuff and act like I got it all together, but I struggle with it like everybody else. I get wounded and I want to retaliate. I get my feelings hurt, or I feel like I'm not getting loved by somebody in my family or some other relationship I have. You know, I feel like I want to just go heck with you. Just I'm done with you. I want nothing more to do with you. That I feel those feelings. And I will tell you that I don't succeed. nearly as often as I want to in saying, you know what, I don't like what I feel right now in this relationship. But this is not about what you're doing. This is about what I'm doing. And so I have to look at what I'm doing and make sure my heart is correct and that I don't quit loving you because I didn't get from you what I wanted. And this is not easy to hear. And some of you, you've been married for many years, decades maybe, and you just feel like right now like you don't even want to be around that person very often. You just can't stand being with them. Listen, you think it's all about the problems that they're bringing. But Jesus says, a new command I give you, not a suggestion, a new command I give you. You love one another as I have what? loved you. So some people say, well, how long do I do? How long do I, you know, how how long do I keep loving somebody? Well, let me just ask you a question. Just think about it. I wonder, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands, but I wonder how many in this room who follow Jesus today, who love God, at one point in your life you had been in love with Jesus, but then you had, for one reason or another, wandered away in your relationship and you were not living with God, for God, or connected to God. And then at some point you came back. I wonder how many of you are in the room like that. I would bet a bunch of you. You know who's in that crowd? Me. When I was in my mid-teens, I was so passionately in love with Jesus, it was unbelievable. I was all about walking with God. And then at 16, pushing 17, I got into a fight with my dad, left home, and started making my own way in the world, and some things changed circumstantially, and something kind of changed in my heart, and I just began to move. It wasn't instant. I didn't just disavow God, but I moved away from God further and further and further, until I can tell you down the road, I was living so far from where I'd been. I was disconnected in my relationship with with God completely. And I remember it, because I was driving. I had... when I was 17 years old, I had this little Datsun pickup. You, a lot of you don't even know what Datsun is, but some of you who are really old, you remember those Datsuns. They were like about this big. They looked like a Tonka toy truck, you know. And, and it, mine was painted red, white, and blue. It was horrible. And I was driving down the road in this red, white, and blue Datsun pickup by myself. And I was thinking about how I'd been so serious about following Christ. And I, I actually just sat in the truck. I was just driving the truck, and I just said, Oh, God, are you really real? And it was as if his presence flooded that little cab. And I was overcome by it. You know what I did with it? I pushed it away. I pushed it away because it scared me and I didn't want it right then. I wanted to do my own thing, I didn't want to go after God. But then later, and this was years, I said, God, I I can't make it without you. And I came back to him fully and walked into his open arms. How many people do you think are like that in this room? I bet you you'd be amazed at how many there are. And here's my question to you. Aren't you glad his love was not based on mutual gratification? Aren't you glad that when he didn't force himself on you, he didn't push himself into your life and say, you will follow me, you better do this. He was just there with open arms and was saying, you can walk, but I love you. And when I turned around and walked back in, there were those open arms and he loved me and brought me in. Aren't you glad he loves us like that? Amen, church? And this is what he says. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So what, is that, what does that look like? Let's just talk about just a couple things. I'm going to do this real quickly. First thing is, is real love. I could talk about so many things. Again, Jesus didn't make this hard. He said you love the way I loved you. So, let's just talk about a couple things that were very clear with Jesus. One thing is is that the way Jesus treated people was astounding in that he accepted all people where they were as they were. This is an amazing thing about Jesus. Is that he was accused. the thing he was criticized for the most was that the guy who preached the moral high life hung out with people who lived the moral low life. How can you do that, Jesus? There's a great story of this where he does this very thing with a guy who's vertically challenged. His name is Zacchaeus. You remember who he is? And so let's just take a look at this story. It's great. It says Jesus entered Jericho when he was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. He's wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead of him, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree so he could see Jesus. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. I love this. He just looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. This says come down immediately. I think he's just like, come on down, buddy. Come on down. I'm going to stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus comes down at once. He welcomed him gladly. Now notice this last verse. This is verse 7 of Luke chapter 19. It says, all the people saw this. How many people? Everybody. So everybody saw it. And they began to What? to mutter they begin to mutter they say, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner in other words, he's treating this man with the same respect that he would treat somebody who's living a morally upright. Because a chief tax collector in those days, for those of you who go, well, what was wrong with Zacchaeus, okay? Just by virtue, everybody hated the tax collectors. I said this last week, not because they were IRS agents, but because they were thieves. They extorted money from people and he was wealthy. So everybody hated him. They all considered him a sinner, a bad person. And Jesus treats him. The same way he would have treated somebody who lives an upright, godly life, because Jesus accepted people where they are. Listen, you have to understand that when you love people, you accept that true love accepts people even if you disagree with what they're doing. He wasn't condoning the man's lifestyle, he wasn't saying it was all great. He was saying, I love you. Not your screw-ups, not the bad things you've done. I just love you. This is so important to understand. This is why people say, how, 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 far, how long do I put up with this kind of thing? Well, again, you don't, you, you, sometimes you have to draw really hard boundaries. You don't accept hurtful behavior coming at you as, okay, but you accept that person You love that person. You 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 keep the door open, and it's. I know it's not easy. You want to see a picture of real love? You take a look at a husband or wife, and after thirty years of marriage, she is diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, and she begins to diminish mentally very rapidly until she comes to the place where she doesn't even know him. When they get up in the morning, he says, Hi, honey. And she says, Who are you? And what he says day after day after day after day is, I am as in today as I was the day we stood in front of the altar and held hands and exchanged rings and said, I do. I am in even if you don't know me anymore because my love for you is not about what you do. My love for you is about what I do. And they will feel lonely, and they will feel broken, and they will feel heart, heart, ache at times in amazing ways. And they may have a lot of bravado and say, "You know what? I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it." And on one hand, they are, but it's hard. But they do it because that is what true, love does. It accepts people where they are. Now, can I just add here? I'm going to speak, and this is, this won't be popular either. But um, just parenthetically for a moment, we're we're entering, you know, in the next year, plus little bit we're entering a an election season and already the crap's been flying well it has been for years now hasn't it really i mean when you think about it if you follow christ you are called to a higher way of living you do not have to nor should you agree with everything that politicians do But how you speak of people and how you treat people and how you imply who they are as a person is very important to who you are. And can I just tell you, you're posting all this stuff on social media. Again, I feel the daggers coming at me like, you just shut up now and you'll be all right. But I'm not going to you post all this crap on social media, all this mean-spirited, nasty stuff about people, stop it. If you follow Jesus, stop it. I'm not saying don't stand up for your rights. I'm not saying don't, don't speak what you believe. I'm just saying stop with the nastiness. Because number one, it doesn't make any difference anyhow. It doesn't work. It only alienates people further. I mean, come on. I, I, I love a thing I read recently. Um, this is so great. See if I can, I can find it here. It was a um, a person had written on social media. Uh, they were they were they were talking about people who um, post on social media their social agenda and basically I, I can't I, I can oh here it is um, it is dear dear person passionately pushing your political agenda on Facebook. This happened during a, a, a election season. Congratulations, you've convinced me to change my vote. Thank you for helping me see the light. Appreciatively yours, no one. (laughs) Ever. All you do is push the distance further apart. Followers of Christ are called to something higher. We may not agree with someone's political perspective, but we can accept and love them. Amen? Amen. I don't know what that, yeah, it's true, it's true. First of all, if you're going to love like Jesus, real love is acceptance of people. Not bad behavior, wrong thinking, stand up for what you believe, but you accept people where they are. Second thing is, it's about sacrifice. God so loved people that he did, he sacrificed for us. Not with the demand that you return it, not with the demand that you do everything right, not with the demand that you agree with him, he just did it. You know, people often wonder, how is it that, that Jesus has such, you know, now, 2,000 years later, Christianity is this massive thing. How did it blossom and grow? Because there were so many people that claimed to be messiahs. How did it happen with him? How did it click with him? Well, of course, the obvious argument is that he really is God. But the second thing is, is that research, research has shown, actually, that one of the reasons Christianity blossomed and grew so quickly after Christ died was because his followers took his words, love others as I've loved you, seriously. And people are attracted to Christianity when they experience that, that love from Christians, that love of Jesus. They're drawn to it. They say that during the plagues, people who are without God, they're so scared when somebody in their family gets sick This is what they would do in the cities. They would drag their family member who's sick outside and leave them on the street to die because they were afraid that if they took care of them, they would be infected and die themselves. Of course, they had enormous fear over this and they had no medical facilities. And so it seemed reasonable to everybody. You drag them out, you leave them out there to die because they're going to die anyhow and then maybe you won't die. It's just self-preservation. But these crazy Christians who had heard the words of Jesus, you must love others as I've loved you, they brought their wagons out and instead of picking up the dead, they found the ones that were living, picked them up. Up and took them back to their homes and cared for them, maybe until they died or recovered, and maybe they even died themselves. But they did it because when you truly love people, you understand that sacrifice is something that's gonna be involved. If you love, you will accept and you will sacrifice at times, and sometimes greatly, sometimes in little ways. You know what I fear about our culture? And this is just me, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I fear sometimes that we've wandered so far from this. We don't even have time to serve in our community. You know, we do this thing, these days of caring thing. This has happened September 12th and 14th. And we just join. All we're doing is teaming up with Berry County United Way. We go out all over and serve. We serve cities. We serve organizations. We serve in all different kinds of ways. Individuals. And you know what's amazing to me? I talked about this last weekend. I'm showing it this weekend. Is that the vast majority of listening to this, the vast majority of us will go, hmm, that's interesting, and never do a single thing with it. And I understand your life is full and overfull. I wonder if we might be screwed up in some ways. I wonder if we've allowed our lives to get so full of things that make us feel good that we've forgotten. That part of what Jesus' command was, you love others as I've loved you, means it has to be sacrificial sometimes. It will cost you something. And I just, I, just, I just want to challenge you to think about that. Maybe, maybe sacrifice in loving people is that you say, you know what, I, I, I become so busy doing my own thing that I don't have time to serve in any way, and you change that. And you find ways to serve, whether it's your neighbor or whether it's an event like this. There's all, all kinds of ways you can do it. Are you doing that? Because real love sacrifices. Maybe sometimes what it is is you just have to sacrifice your own anger. Because here's the thing. Some of you, you're so angry with somebody that you work with or somebody in your home, some family member, whatever, right now. And it is eating you alive, that anger. And you just keep chewing on it and chewing on it. And loving people says, I will let go of that. And it's a sacrifice. I read a quote by a guy named uh, Frederick Beekner. And I love this quote. I'll just give it to you because I think it's so, it's so powerful. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. <laughs> to lick your wounds, smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue over the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're giving back. In many ways, he says, it's a feast fit for a king, us being angry. Chief drawback, he says, is that what you're woofing down is yourself and the skeleton at the feast is you. Jesus' way is always better. You love people as I've loved you. He says, it will be hard. But you won't be woofing down yourself. You will be loving other people. So, We're going to have a chance. He's going to sing a song and we'll listen to it. And we'll finish up with some worship together. But what is it? what do you need to do? What needs to change in your life? I have found for me, I don't hear a sermon like this and go, you know what, I've got to start loving people like Jesus did. So I'm just going to make that decision. And from now on, I will love people like Jesus always. It, it doesn't work that way. For me, it's always about the single next step. What is the single next step that I need to take? What is that next step for you? Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I need to start accepting this person. Maybe it's saying, i got to stop blaming the other person all the time for how I feel and remember that it's about what I do, not about what they do. Maybe it's taking a next step in growing your relationship. You're given a paper on the way in and... It's got just some ideas on how you grow your engagement with Christ. Take one of those steps. Join a group. Go to the, Start going to our Fusion Youth Ministry if you're a student. Something that helps you grow. What is the next step? And as Brian sings, I want you to think about that and ask God to open your heart. And then we'll worship together for a few minutes and we'll be done. So now God come. Come in this place. And open us up to this this truth that we are called to love as you have loved us and show us the next step in love. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.